0: Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This episode number 90. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots. Each episode, one of us gets to choose a film or television show, usually that the other person has never seen. Enforced viewing ensues. Mm-hmm. And then we unpack it all here for you
1: The Choosening.
0: The Chosening. That's it what should. you said. On previous episodes, oh, it is, okay. we like to invent words about choosingings. The
1: choosing. the choicing,
0: yeah. the choicing, the choicing was mine. I yes. got to choose because we share. We take turns.
1: That's right. Because I have a brother, and you have a sister, and we learn to share. Uh,
0: I don't think my <laughs> kids have really learned to share all that well yet, but that's another story. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the movie I chose this week was The Conversation, mm-hmm. 1974 movie by Francis Ford Coppola. It's when he used to have the whole no. name in the credits. Maybe he still does that? I don't know. Francis Ford Coppola. It's-
1: I briefly got this confused with My Dinner with Andre, which also could have been called The Conversation, which I also have not seen. So,
0: You mean like during the... Th- Two minutes before I said, have you seen The Conversation? And when I put it on, you thought we so might mean, be going to be watching I've uh, neither seen My I, Dinner I, with Andre? I, just, like,
1: I thought it was a movie about a conversation, which I mean, I guess it was, but...
0: It I is, thought, in fact, I a movie I thought it was like a just a
1: filmed conversation, which is not what it was at all.
0: Yes. <laughs> it was not.
1: <laughs> so tell us about The Conversation, Dave.
0: Um... It is well okay. The reason why I chose this movie for you, yes, um, I don't. It's never even made it onto it's
1: my. Sh- I love Gene Hackman. No, I don't. He's fine.
0: <laughs> it's never even made it onto my shortlist before. Mm. For some reason, I don't know why. I think I knew that you hadn't seen it, but I was going to do a different Coppola movie at some point. This mm. is the first Coppola movie we've done on the show.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Um, of course, I love well, the, first the Godfather Part Francis 1 and 2. the Francis Ford
1: Coppola movie we've
0: done on this film.
1: We've done other Coppola. We've done okay. prior Coppola. The we've Spawn of Coppola.
0: Is that... Are you going to make a B-movie called The Spawn of Coppola? Spawn
1: of Coppola. There's a lot of Spawn,
0: too. Yeah. But uh, which Sofia Coppola movie did we do? Marie Antoinette. Okay. Yeah. Anyway... Dad. Dad Dad made this movie in the 70s. (laughs) Um, And I would argue that dad made his best movies in the 70s. Yeah, I think that's true. This is early on. It came between um, The Godfather, which Mm -hmm. was a smash hit for Paramount. And, you know, great, huge movie for Coppola. And before, um, I think before uh, Godfather 2... I don't know if it was greenlit and it was, I think it was just a product, it was just a break in his schedule. And he'd had this script kicking around for five or 10 years. Yeah. And found a chance to make it on the cheap in San Francisco where his offices are based. Um, But I chose it for you because a couple of times, and I think on a recent episode, maybe it was when we did the Scorsese movie, Mm. Alice doesn't live here anymore. You said that the 70s in general is kind of a sort of a big blind spot for you like you haven't seen a lot of them yeah seeing as it's like (laughs) a decade before you were born but even when you've you've gone back and seen a lot of the the great movies and stuff like for whatever reason and I know there are other reasons too like you're not you're not super into like masculine like gangstery kinds of 70s movies for instance you know all the Pacinos and De De Niro's and stuff like that there are some good ones but anyway
1: I don't know, it's it's interesting, like, because when, I mean, I didn't see The Godfather until, like, in my mid to late 20s, I mean, that is not something that, like, it's something that I've heard referenced, like, a million times, because it's this, like, big cultural shift that happened in the world when The Godfather came out, It's, it's like Star Wars, like, everything leads back to those moments, like, Star Wars and Godfather, like, they changed everything, um, I mean, it's not just that, but I mean, those directors that came up in the 70s that kind of shaped the way that cinema is now, in good ways and in bad ways. Jaws. Yeah, Jaws.
0: Blockbusters. Yeah. That's seen as the one. Yeah. (laughs) That that shifted the entire cult. That's why we have Marvel movies. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) So... So, um, I mean, like, I understand the importance of films from the 70s, but I can't tell you really why. I mean, like, I'm sure my parents did not want to, as a child, show me, like, you know, oh, my six-year-old child, you absolutely need to see this videotape of The Godfather, you know. Um, they My parents were very anti us watching anything too violent. And I yeah. think that a lot of those movies would have fallen in that very... Although apparently they're not opposed to seeing really scary 80s movies um as all as as we know all 80s movies for children are but um and then I don't know I just had I didn't catch up until much later so I've still not seen the third godfather I've only seen the first two you know so I know yeah. I I've heard that there's no reason for me to see the third one but you know
0: Well, we we there you know as often happens like not to wander too far off track. There was like a new sort of critical reappraisal of it when Coppola did his re-release recently of of the restored, Mm -hmm. like he changed the name and everything and like re-edited. You know the thing he's been doing with all of his movies. He just he edited
1: all the guns out. No, that was Spielberg.
0: No, that's Spielberg. (laughs) Yeah, we can only have keys, but not. Guns in okay. A.T. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the new version of The Godfather 3 um, got a pretty good uh, okay. well, critical maybe. feedback um, when it came out two or three years ago.
1: Well, I think I'd have to watch the second so, I one again. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I mean, it just, it never really, gangster culture never really, like, the whole, like, Italian gangs and that sort of network of crime. It really never got me, actually, until I watched The Wire. The Wire is kind of like the thing that really got me into that sort of thing. You know, but organized crime is not the fascination that I know it is for a lot of people, I guess, is the thing. Which is interesting that I mentioned The Wire because this film... Reminded me of the wire.
0: Because there's wiretapping. There's
1: wiretapping. Yes. Okay.
0: Well, lest anyone think this movie is a gangster movie about Italian Americans. It is absolutely not. not. I was just trying to say your stereotype or yeah. your idea of the seventies movies you kind of maybe stayed away from or didn't see are some of kind of fit into that. Yeah. That realm. So yeah. this is not that. Yeah. This it's is not a, that at this all. This is a small, no. independent Paranoid psychological thriller, sort yeah. of. Maybe not thriller. I don't, it's often called a thriller. It's not thrilling in it's that. It's not all that. It's thrilling. more of a. Sus- it it yeah. does have suspense. Suspense. It's definitely yeah. a psychological su- psychological yeah. suspense. Maybe what you yeah, yeah say. But it, like, there's this. There are. It's kind of know, rear
1: windowy in a way. I mean, not just because it's in San Francisco, but there's a there's an element of rear window. Not rear window. Vertigo. Sorry. <laughs>
0: That was upsetting. Well, it does take place in San Francisco. Yeah,
1: what I meant. There's an element of vertigo in it. The sort of like paranoid kind of.
0: Yes. You know, lead character. Absolutely. Kind of thing. And I, as I was thinking about the stuff that you probably hadn't seen yeah. in the '70s, there's like this rich vein of of like these sort of paranoid thrillers like yeah. this. And I jotted down a couple, and I don't. I, I wonder if you've seen any of these. The Parallax View, no. By Alan J. Pakula, no. it's a political thriller, no. assassination kind of thing. Three Days of the Condor, Sydney Pollack's movie with Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway.
1: I've heard of it. I haven't seen it.
0: Um, Marathon Man, nope. Dustin Hoffman Laurence Olivier as a Nazi hiding out in New York
1: nope
0: <laughs> um, uh, and I think actually you could argue that um, certain elements of Rosemary's Baby kind of fit into this sort of yeah I can see s- that like eerie psychological sort of thing although that takes more of a horror note I've
1: seen the Manchurian Candidate it's not yeah somebody, yeah that's, so. that's another yeah, yeah. one
0: that's you know a little, I've seen the original a lot, a Manchurian
1: Candidate and the newer Manchurian I actually Candidate I haven't
0: seen that one
1: and Alex Jones was there because we live um, in Austin. Yeah, it was kind of weird.
0: I'm sorry about that <laughs> experience, but now it's a story, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so anyway, this is my one of my absolute favorites of this kind of little niche genre from the 70s. Mm-hmm. These sort of, like, I don't know. They're, they're kind of... Because it's a 70s movie, you get the, like, emphasis on the character study yeah. sort of element. And it's paced more deliberately so that the person at the heart of it is... And their reaction to events is... Yeah. Just as important as what's actually playing out.
1: You know, it reminded me of, um, we, we watched Clute a yes. while ago that's with another Jane one. Fonda that was kind of that. that that's another of, one that's often lumped yeah, in yeah. with
0: these, um, yeah, 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 I don't know, I didn't think of that one, but yeah, it's yeah. totally around the same time and the same kind of feel. That's Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda. Right? Yeah, Yeah. we finally saw that for the first time.
1: So, I mean, like, this is unrelated to the plot of the movie, but what is it about 70s films that they all have this kind of warm, gritty look to the photography? And it's, like, universal. Like, did everybody wake up in 1971 and go, we're going to shoot in, I mean, like well they they all look that way i mean like even like star wars looks that way you know they don't have that like super crisp like clean dark yeah black well i mean
0: if you're looking at this particular film as an example of that you're seeing a movie that's not really shot in studio locations Mm -hmm. you're seeing them just set up 35 millimeter cameras probably often with mostly a Natural light, or stuff that emphasizes or mimics the natural light, and it's not the whole tradition of like super artifice, like Technicolor. Like they, there's something about I think the aesthetics of of documentary filmmaking and TV news and all that kind of just like setting up and turning on the camera. That's part of it. Not in the Star Wars case. Maybe
1: with the, I mean, with the actual like how they were treating the film. To get that sort of, it's, I mean, like, I would say, like, nothing feels sharp, if you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying. It's very interesting, you know, coming, especially in a digital world where everything is, like, razor sharp. Sure, I think we are,
0: I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the movie looks like now. We're not looking at a restored print. We're not looking at a Blu-ray. This is probably whatever the DVD, what I had available was the DVD when it came out 15 years ago. Yeah. Um... But I think that probably the choice to use filters or not use filters or to maybe uh, process a film and, and print it in a certain way may have something to do with it too. But I think it's also that... Like shooting with light coming in from the window, or yeah. shooting outside on the streets. Well,
1: it's funny because it's like I mean, like every film that you watch from the seventies, it's like Soderbergh. It's yeah. <laughs> they all look that way, and it's just very interesting. Well, to me. he will
0: use the wrong filters sometimes, yeah. so that <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, he's shooting interiors with uh, daylight yeah. like, uh, film or whatever, you know, vice versa. Yeah. So you're getting like blue film and green and all this kind of weird stuff. Yeah. Anyway. We've talked for 10 minutes. We haven't said anything about what this movie is about.
1: We're talking about films from the seventies.
0: We're setting the scene, right? That's right. Okay. So, um, last thing I want to say is I, I cannot tell you when I first saw this movie, I don't have a story about the first time I saw this movie. I just know vaguely, I probably saw it when I was in college. Um, when I was trying to see everything Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of my feeling comes from. I've seen it maybe four or five times over the years. I've always really liked it. Um, and another reason i cho- i thought you might dig it is because i know we both have this fondness for like analog equipment and kind of like the practice of doing mm-hmm. it. i thought you might like the microphones and the the tape decks and the reel to reels and like the way i do i don't know yeah. <laughs> so well I
1: was, I was i was like you know he's he goes to radio shack to get the yeah, stuff yeah. for all of this you know I Back like, when Radio Shack was like where you went to get those. But then he's building things, his own
0: equipment. Yeah, out. He's,
1: well, that's why he had to go to Radio Shack. Yeah. You, can't go to, you can't go on Amazon. I'm sure there and were order mail order things.
0: catalogs, too. Oh, that's that true. You get yeah. like your tubes and your whatever yeah. stuff from places in New York, New Jersey, or something. Yeah. Anyway, can you tell us a little bit about what the movie's about? Because we haven't said anything about the character and what the problem is.
1: Okay, so we open on. It's a couple of guy, a couple of, a woman and a man having sort of, what seems like a kind of normal conversation in Union Square in San Francisco. And then it becomes clear that there be this conversation is being recorded, uh, by, um, a guy and his team of people. So he has a person like walking around in the square, kind of following them around. Um, there's a person you think, I think initially they make it seem like it's a, um,
0: like, like a, a rifle with from a, a the rifle yeah. yeah but it's, it's actually telescopic uh, some
1: sort of receiving equipment yeah. that's up in a window up above union square It's a sh- basically a fancy yeah.
0: shotgun telescopic mic kind of thing
1: Yeah and then there's a guy walking around sort of following them with uh, like a microphone or some sort of receiver There's somebody
0: up on a sign yeah. with like a parabolic kind of yeah. huge sort of microphone set up too
1: And then there's a van um, which has a bunch of equipment and and a couple That's guys. That's where they're
0: getting the recordings yeah. and making the tapes as they come in live.
1: Um, so it's Gene Hackman and um, I actually don't know the actors who they're recording.
0: Oh, they, they weren't uh, familiar to me. Uh, the so the couple, this yeah. innocuous couple walking around and around, having this sort of conversation. It's Cindy Williams mm-hmm. from *Laverne and Shirley*. Okay, she was Shirley, <laughs> and uh, no Frederick sure. Forrest who is in Coppola's sort of, like, stable of okay. people he works with. The thing you may have seen him in, the biggest thing that I can think of at the moment, is he's in Apocalypse Now. He's the, the chef on the boat who goes yeah. out and has the incident with the tiger when he goes out to get mangoes in the in the jungle. That's him.
1: That's interesting. I didn't like... So, like, I guess based on... I I think they maybe should have gotten, like, a younger, more attractive actor (laughs) for that particular role. I don't know what it is, because, like, she's a young, pretty woman. Yeah. And, I mean, like, there's some implication that they're in some sort of relationship. But I just, for the life of me, could not remember what this guy looked like. So, like, He's a guy in a
0: suit with glasses. Yeah, and
1: he's kind of got a half, I mean, like, everyone has, like, a half bald head. Yeah, in this film, so I like really had a hard time telling him from anybody else, which I mean may have impacted my understanding of what happened towards the end of the movie. Because I know there's
0: certain times where we like (laughs) see him in the build the office building. Yeah, and I I
1: wouldn't have recognized him because to me he's not striking enough. I really think that this should have been like a like kind of a you know. Uh, a younger looking dude or something thats, that's, that's more striking. I about think they're them.
0: probably going for ordinary yeah. couple have like, what's funny to me is how lame the conversation is yeah. that they're having. Yeah. And yet Gene Hackman <laughs> is the best in the business. He's yeah. a surveillance expert, this expert wiretapper who's worked for the justice department before. Mm. And he's had huge, th- he's like a legend in the field yeah. as we learn is about his reputation yeah. from other people that he interacts with. And, um, he has this crew of three and he's the one who's good. All he wants is a fat recording. He says that. At some yeah. Point. Um,
1: <laughs> well, the nice big sound waves, yeah, nice big sound waves yeah. on yeah. the waveform. Yeah. So, um, he goes back to his, um, well, actually first he makes a phone call after he gets the recording saying, I've got it, you know, and he goes back to his workshop and, um, works on sort of clarifying the recordings and combining them. So I think they got, like, three separate recordings. Um, and he sort of combined them into a single take tape. And he didn't use the magic digital things. There are no
0: magic digital things. He, he
1: has to do it all on his own by sort of, like...
0: We can do this on yeah, GarageBand with a, a mixer. modulator and
1: singling out specific... Recordings he's, and
0: he has uh, three separate reel to reel decks that mm-hmm. are linked up in a chain and synchronized <laughs> with each other. So he's got to find the, the start point yeah. on each one, boop, yeah. boop, boop. and then he's got them feeding into a, a master yeah. through a mixer that he controls so he can dial in this yeah. much of that tape and this much of that to get it like the perfect clean recording. Yeah. And of course, it takes trial and error. And I just love <laughs> these kinds of scenes because yeah. you don't you get certain bits and pieces of the conversation when they're recording it. Yeah. But it's really that process of him mastering the tape and mixing the, you know, like points where it's done so well, the way that the mic drops off from one location he's got to yeah. like dial it and like rewind the tape and like find a better piece of yeah. it to get it. And, and how you start to get new nuances and new lines that you couldn't pick up before till he has that clean copy he wants to give to the client.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing about his workspace is he's only using, like, a quarter of this entire, like, warehouse floor that he has. And it's in, like, Potero Hill is where
0: this... Potero, yeah. Yeah,
1: Potero Hill. Um, so we were just, like, looking at this going, man, that's, like, an expensive piece of property. He's got, like, it's, like, an entire floor... Of this building. I'm <laughs> sure there's a tech
0: company there with like a million cubicles yeah, and like sure. offices and computers <laughs> everywhere now. But he's just using like the far back end of it. Yeah, and yeah. his workshop is kind of caged up mm-hmm. in the back. The rest, it's just an empty floor, yeah. empty loft warehouse, you know. It's bigger than to drive that, a scooter in. Yeah, his his, <laughs> uh, his uh, co-worker or the guy he hires to help him, Stan, um, played by John Cazal. Okay. I love John Cazal that guy it's that guy john Cazal. you will remember you probably don't he's fredo in the godfather
1: okay that's again i've only seen the godfather once so i mean it's like, fredo it's, again it's not poor
0: fredo um uh he's he is fantastic he's in a bunch of the movies in the 70s the greats he's in i think dog day afternoon he's in the deer hunter he's in the conversation he's in godfather um one and two so um, Fredo's like, his biggest part and he, I don't know the story, but I know he died young and, um, he's one of those like great character actors, like Warren Oates or something who was like really big. And then like, um, ne- not like never really had a huge starring role, but was always like, he yeah. could like really do a character, deliver a character and a personality and an individual in a, in a small role. Um,
1: so then, I, mean, I guess, after his day of work, he, like, goes over to his mistress's house. Yeah. Where he just... I mean, like, the entire point of that scene is to show that he's, like, freaking paranoid and he doesn't like to answer any questions is pretty much, like, what that scene is about.
0: There's, You know? Like, no, she's trying
1: to get to know him and, and he's not into it.
0: Yeah, let's analyze this relationship <laughs> for a second. Like, she's... his, Like you said, his mistress, I, w- I would say... I mean, he's
1: not married, but... No. Yeah.
0: Like, his girlfriend, right? Yeah. But... She doesn't know what he does for a living. She doesn't know where he lives. She doesn't know where he lives. I'm not sure. She asks him for the first time how old he is and he lies. So she... Yeah,
1: he's 44. (laughs) He says he's
0: 42 to her. Um, She doesn't know when he's going to come over. Apparently he just lets himself in and she's always sort of waiting. Yeah. You know, she never knows what night he's going to come. And the more... And she just wants to like have conversation with him and know who it is she's with and get to know him a little bit, but he gets increasingly like irritated and anxious and even wondering why she needs to know well, that. So,
1: and one thing that we missed is he does go home and somebody has left a bottle of
0: wine, wine. Birth, in, it's his birthday. His
1: birthday. His landlord knows when his birthday is for some reason, which I guess maybe you write that on your application. I don't know. Somebody leaves a bottle in his apartment and then there's a card that says happy birthday and has his correct birthday. So maybe that's why he's feeling a little paranoid because someone has invaded his space and
0: so I think wh- knows
1: more about him than he'd like for them to know or something like that.
0: Well, A, yes. <laughs> B, he's paranoid because of the line of work he's in yeah. and what he does. And yeah. he knows that no matter where you are and whether you think you're alone, somebody could be listening or yeah. watching we every single scene that he's in like early on yeah. like has that kind of point of like showing how private, how yeah. personal, how wary, how suspicious he is yeah. because before he gets to that bottle of wine on the doorstep, he unlocks three different deadbolt locks. Yeah with different keys with different keys opens a door there's a burglar alarm he has to turn off and then yeah. there's the bottle of wine the, the, yeah <laughs> the, the bottle of wine the card on the ground the imp- and then he ca- i think it's the landlady yeah. so he calls the landlady and like thanks her but also like but like really how Don't. did you how did you get in yeah and um so the implication is that she goes through his mail and she yeah. read the card that had this uh, okay. Yeah, because he says something about from now on. Oh, by the oh, way, way thank you very much. And from PO now box. on, my mail's going directly to a PO box. Yeah. Um, good night. <laughs> <kind of thing. laughs> um. So nobody knows him. Yeah. Um. He, like, has. Yeah, I, he just—he's such a cipher, and he's yeah. so personal, and he's so private. He's so stiff. He's so locked down. Um. He just does the job yeah um he even he, his partner um Stan John Cazale yeah. we were just talking about um can't like even get him to converse about anything yeah like they have like no rapport at all yeah. <laughs> and anytime anyone tries to draw him out as a human like he kind of pushes it away
1: yeah
0: um but the the thriller angle of the story is the fact that the more he hears of the tape the more he believes that something terrible is going to happen to the couple. Yeah. And that his work, him turning over um, this surveillance recording of the couple's conversation could result in them being murdered yeah. by, say, the husband. That The implication is the, the, the person who hired him is the director of the company in San Francisco whose wife is having an affair.
1: Okay. I wasn't really sure about the relationship. I know she was... So he does go to the place where he's supposed to drop off the tape.
0: He's going to drop off the tape, we think. He goes to deliver it. And
1: he gets there, and the director isn't there. Instead, we have Harrison Ford um, just mysteriously there. And uh, he doesn't feel comfortable with leaving the tape with this assistant or whoever this guy is.
0: He's the assistant to the director, and... um, uh, Gene Hackman's character is named Harry Harry Call mm-hmm. uh, Harry the arrangement he made was he's supposed to hand deliver to the director the yeah. recordings and the assistant Harris Ford is the assistant Yeah, is like it's fine he can't come right now he's authorized me to receive the recording and he won't do it I mean like yeah. he puts it on the desk I think they hand him the packet of money which was how much $30,000 $15,000 15, $15, which in, is like
1: in, an incredible amount in, a bank envelope. in cash yeah
0: and um, when he gets this resistance, I mean, to get, getting to see the, the director in person, you know, it was specified, I have yeah. to give it to him in person. Um he he drops the money back on the table and takes the tape and Harrison yeah. Ford is the tries to like wrest it out of his yeah. hand. Well, no, he leaves with the recording, he won't give it. Yeah. And um he starts to get this this threat sort of thing, mm-hmm. like, you don't want to get involved with these recordings, these are dangerous, and you need to just like turn this over. So yeah, that makes him even more paranoid, doesn't it? <laughs> I so
1: I just have to say, since we're talking about, I love the set. This is at one M- M- Embarcadero. Yeah. Center. Is, I used
0: to work at four Embarcadero Center okay.
1: in the, in the Waldens. <laughs> uh,
0: Bar- uh, B Dalton. B
1: Dalton. Yeah, yeah, not Waldens.
0: Our boss will tell you she opened the B Dalton here at Highland Mall right. all those years ago. But I used to work at the uh, one at the Embarcadero old Center
1: Mall bookstores um it's it's a it's a wonderful like brutalist you know built in the like late 60s kind of building it's um I mean like at the time it probably would have only been like maybe eight to ten years old at the most um but it has this like great like brutalist concrete and like a neat like tiled floor and this sort of like circular pattern and then it has this really neat concrete spiral staircase that goes up and then you go to the actual office and it's got like this like smoked glass and shiny things and it's uh all very 70s knoll 70s style um office chairs and um it was that was that was good fun for me the
0: I'm glad that was this. good fun for you because what I was <laughs> trying to throw your way, which I forgot to mention when I chose, you know, about choosing the movie was that it's a San Francisco movie. Yeah, We have to watch the great San Francisco yeah. movies. I'm from San Francisco. We love going to San Francisco. Um, so yeah, we need to see all the, all of them. You mentioned Vertigo. So yes. yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting the, the chronology mm-hmm. right because, um, it seems like it's the it's really the um it's this interaction with the assistant yeah. that, that really makes him suspicious yeah. about what has he got when he's told these are dangerous yeah. and don't get involved. And I think that's the point where he goes back to the warehouse and over the next couple of days or whatever, starts, starts to, to mess miss- with the recordings yeah. even more. Um, I think the first time when he's mixing the tapes is when he has that really. Is it that when he has that tense exchange with the, the argument with um, Stan, his assistant? I
1: actually think that that's after.
0: Okay. Yeah. I well, think- there's a point where, where you know. Even as an audience, we're hearing this innocuous conversation, bits and pieces yeah. of it over and over. You know, they're, they talk about the the homeless person they see on the bench, yeah. and what a shame that is. And I always think that's somebody's child. You know, their mother doesn't know yeah. that that's the state they're in, and she sings a couple of lines of "Red, Red Robin," "Bob, Bob, Bobbing and Along," and the, like you don't really—they don't really seem to be talking about much of anything. Yeah. Um, so at some point, Stan is like, "What is this all about?" Like, yeah. What, And that's where Hackman kind of draws the line. Like, it doesn't matter what it's about. I'm just here to get the recording. I don't care. And the guy's like, for God's sake, it's just simple human curiosity. Why don't you, why are you interested? I'm just like, why won't you talk about this?
1: That's the scene right before they go to the conference. Because Stan.
0: He quits. He quits. walks out on him.
1: And then um, starts working for a competitor, you know, at the the surveillance conference. I don't know what this is.
0: Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a it's a convention for people in the surveillance business, yeah. which is almost as interesting as the serial killer convention in the Sandman. Yeah.
1: I was like, "We yeah, we just watched another convention. The serial <laughs> convention." The, the is that what it's called? The serial convention,
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any it's not quite the same, but it's it's another convention you don't think about I'm yeah. sure if there's conventions for librarians and dentists why not for surveillance oh, there's, people?
1: i mean that's the thing is like the weird thing about conventions is like they're all the same it doesn't matter it's just like what industry are they so like if it's dentists, then they have like a bunch of toothbrushes and uh, uh dental hygienist equipment and yeah. and stuff like that so this is like a bunch of booths with like booth babes which is weird like booth babes at the at the micro- wiretapper convention. Yeah,
0: you have to make <laughs> uh, microscopic bugs and stuff uh, sexy, I guess, yeah. in some way. <laughs> just How gotta do go-go you stand boots out? On. How do you stand out among the competitors? You're the booth that has the <laughs> the babe in the with, in the go go boots. Um,
1: well, and it, this is where we kind of get an idea of how well known he is because like he's walking around and there's all these guys like offering him free product and asking and he's like, you know, I build my own take stuff. Take a photo
0: in our booth. Yeah. Like, yeah can take you, a like,
1: picture with the product, you know? Can you say
0: something about it for our advertising? Yeah.
1: <laughs> this yeah. actually kind of reminds me. Do you remember the, um, there's a, I can't remember if it's This American Life, but there's a. A radio program where they're talking about the guy who broke into the safe in prince's um, oh
0: yeah that's so good yeah that's Great. like why
1: we have all these vault recordings is because they got this guy who's like they a couldn't get into
0: to prince's <laughs> vault yeah like it didn't look like they'd be able to get into it at all didn't it have yeah. some kind of destruct thing on it too yeah
1: it was it was crazy it was gonna
0: like there's a self-destruct on it or something yeah. i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he had one chance to yeah, like crack the to safe. To crack it open. This we, is why we have the vault recordings that are being released now. Yeah, um, it's amazing because
1: this one guy who's like the best in the business that everybody story. calls him. You know when when they need to break into was a that safe. This
0: American Life or Ninety Nine Percent Invisible? I
1: can't remember which. I don't know. Which it's so one good. It was. We,
0: we should look that up.
1: Yeah, um, but that kind of thing. Well, the other funny thing about that is like the. The, like, record that Prince had of his recordings was, like, an old, like, 80s computer that, like, you know, just had, like, a customized search thing that some yeah. guy had built. Like, it's yeah. a green screen computer, you oh, know. Yeah,
0: CRT yeah. computer with, like, a <laughs> custom database made in the 90s or something. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, it's it's that kind of, you know, technology that they're dealing Well, even earlier than that, you know, this is, like, straight up, like, radio waves and... Um, you
0: transistors know. and whatever
1: yeah this wouldn't be you know heavily relied, there might be a little bit of computing going on but not, not but this is
0: sophisticated stuff for the yeah, time Yeah. like uh, I was reading the Wikipedia entry that the Watergate stuff came out just to, just to, within a couple months of the, well, apparently, the movie being released yeah. and the, that the equipment they were using and showing off in this was exactly the same kind of stuff that they used to, to wiretap the democratic headquarters
1: interesting yeah
0: so there, there were people. They would try. A lot of people interpreted this as some kind of reaction to Watergate yeah. or some some commentary on it. But it's too soon. Like they, he wrote it in the '60s. He produced it a year yeah. before. So it's just a coincidence. Um, except that it taps taps into like yeah. like this surveillance <laughs> and privacy and all the stuff that's starting starting to really affect yeah. modern life. Yeah. But I want to get to um, before we go much more into the convention, like the the sense of like his conscience and paranoia and the fear that now is starting to rise. And, you know, what is
1: so I mean, like there's clearly something. I mean, like the guy must know that there's some element of danger in what he's doing. I mean, like at this point, we don't know what all is at stake. In any sense of the word. I mean, some of that comes out during the convention conversations. But, I mean, like, you get the idea that, you know... uh, I don't know. I mean, he's not... He's not, like... It's not, like, gross point blank. Like, he's not killing anyone. But, like, you get... There's, like, a degree of, like, urgency and secrecy and... Like potentially scary people involved because he's not doing this for the government, he's a no. private agent that's paid by other people to do, you know. So,
0: there's here's the thing though, and this is I love this, I love <clears throat> this, I love this because it pushes all the buttons of like blow up, yeah, yeah, you know, the Antonioni movie with mm-hmm. the photographer who yeah. like goes out shooting pictures in the middle of daytime in the park. You know, of the woman like frolicking far away. He's got his lenses and everything. And when he goes back to his uh, um, studio later on um, mm-hmm. to to um, uh, process and print the pictures, like the more he starts, to, he starts to think that um, <laughs> he starts to enlarge and enlarge and enlarge the photograph until he becomes convinced that he's captured inadvertently a murderer and yeah. like evidence of the body left behind on that in those innocuous... Yeah. This is Coppola doing this. Yeah. But with the sound recordings that Gene Hackman's got. Yeah. There, um, to, to I think he... Uh, Coppola even says, like, I want to do this kind of blow-up sort of thing, but, like, now, here and now and with, you know, the sound recording. Yeah. And so before the convention scene where he goes off to the convention and after his meeting with Harrison Ford, he goes back to those recordings and so he messes with them again. Um, and... I think actually before he del- delivered the recording, one of the last things that he was able to clarify mm. in the recording um, that he captured was um, the, the an appointment being set up. Yeah. Where uh, he has the details, he has them say um, Sunday maybe, and then the woman says Sunday definitely, and they say Jack Tar Hotel. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Yeah. And so he knows that he's giving them that yeah. They seem to be a couple who know that they could be that they're being followed or bugged or yeah. something because they're trying to like disguise what they're talking about. And now there's this evidence of like an assignation or a meeting or something. He doesn't want to give the person the the director, the person who hired him, he's worried about giving them this evidence of that that appointment.
1: Yeah.
0: He's telling them where to find them if he turns that over. So I think that's that's what Starts to really trigger him, mm. but then when he goes back after the the interaction with Harrison Ford and remixes the recording, he dials in again, and that's the first time he comes. He gets the line clear. Mm. Um, He'd kill us if he had the chance. Yeah. And so now he's convinced. That's what convinces him that yeah. these people will be killed if he turns this over. And so now he ha- now you have this whole like ethical like. Yeah, horrible dilemma and i think part of the function of the convention is we hear this backstory Mm -hmm. um, about how his work in the past back east resulted in three people being murdered yeah and he doesn't want that to happen again
1: so yeah he meets some some like surveillance guys and they go have a (sighs) convention party
0: that guy's like the car salesman of, like, yeah. isn't he? Of, his competitor. I
1: god, he, he, he reminds me of someone.
0: Well, Alan Garfield. Um, he's, I mean, he's He's also a familiar character actor who's in tons of stuff. I can't yeah. tell you. No, but I
1: compared him to someone when we yeah. were watching it, the movie last night. I can't remember what it
0: was, but. I don't know. So he plays Bernie Moran. Yeah. He's like, you're the best on the West Coast, the best of the best, and I'm the East Coast. Oh,
1: I compared him to um, the Hungarian uh, interpreter from
0: uh, uh, <laughs> from not... My Fair Lady. <laughs> oh, I didn't understand that reference. I don't know yeah. My Fair Lady enough, even though we just we did it. watched it, it on the... Yeah, I know, but t- I don't remember the... So
1: he's the, like, protege... He's, like, this guy that studied everything that... He's, like, he's a former student of Henry Higgins and, like... He's like gone on and become like a celebrity interpreter oh, okay. kind so of guy. So
0: he's, he's Bernie Moran, and yeah. uh, Henry Higgins is the is yeah uh, exactly Gene Hackman. Yes. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I'm, I remember you saying it's that. It's the but same
1: I, sort of like sort of like you know he's good, but he's not that good. You know he's like the Solieri. He's
0: good because of like one yeah. idea or one yeah. thing. And yeah. The and. The, what is this, this after party they have at the warehouse? Like,
1: well, you know, it's like you know, like libra- librarians go get drunk after, you know, and share our trade secrets. Um,
0: yeah, when we during go, we share our trade secrets. We we go back to like <laughs> empty lofts and like talk about databases yeah. and like <laughs> uh, serials contracts or something. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so they're all drunk. They go back to Harry's uh, work. I was I was actually. I was like, must, why did
1: he take them back yeah. to his workshop? I, so it's really weird. That to
0: me doesn't make sense. Like, I think I, it's
1: just because he's drunk. I, I assume. I think
0: it's drunk because he's so private. I, I can't. I guess also he... He
1: feels bad about Stan too because he's trying uh, to get Stan back, you
0: know? That argument they had... He got really angry with Stan because Stan's like, you know, you're like kind of not even human. You don't... You're like, what's... Why don't you... Why can't you talk? Why can't you answer (laughs) questions? Why can't you have a conversation? Why aren't you interested in people? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what what is wrong with you? And he gets really angry. And and so uh, Stan's working for the shitty competitor. Yeah. As, like, a, a booth dude. So, booth dude, I mean, so crappy competitor Bernie Moran is, you know, among this little group that comes back to the warehouse for the mm-hmm. after party. They're going to drink and kind of like hang out in Harry's uh, yeah. workspace. There's not enough um,
1: women. There's only two women. His for whole all deal, the deal is he's just trying guys. to like
0: poke and prod to get like secrets the whole time and like tell me how you did this job and like what are you working on here and like we could get together and be yeah. the biggest in the business if, you know, your brains and my business yeah. connections let me check that.
1: out your equipment you know exactly i, I have a, i have a producer there's a
0: whole lot yeah there's a whole lot of uh microphone swinging going yeah. around <laughs> I yeah. guess. well hackman doesn't take the bait he yeah he does he's not he's very modest i mean in his way i mean you can see the the small smiles sometimes when they're talking about what how yeah. good he is But he doesn't like really play into it. And
1: then so the guy is really curious about something that he did back in New York, which is that he was able to get a really clear recording of some people of a conversation about something, a business deal or a crime or something like that. And these people were just on a boat like in international waters mm-hmm. and like he's trying to like figure out like how he got the recording he's like it's
0: legendary everybody <laughs> knows you did it nobody yeah. knows how you did it yeah. come, come come tell me how you did it give me tell me how you did and it and he
1: gets a little bit irritated cuz he doesn't want to share that information i
0: think that's the job that resulted in the murder yeah and and also it's, there's it's that. like a teamsters kind of yeah kinda so he feels kind
1: of shitty about it that that his information was the thing that ended up in the death of sounds like
0: I a family,
1: like it, as, it was, a couple and their he, child yeah. were murdered. Yeah, so he feels really guilty about that. Um,
0: I think that's an understatement too, maybe because like he basically like pulled up stakes, completely yeah. moved and relocated yeah. to San Francisco, started over again, and you know. He, well, I think he,
1: that he might have thought that he was in danger as well. You know, it could be. You know,
0: but he, his, he. His line is reasoning to himself is always like, just do the job, be yeah. get the recording. Be it's all like he it's wants it's not to just, his
1: fault, it's like the
0: well, he's he thinks that what he's doing, even though it's surveillance and it's like an yeah. invasion of privacy for you know mm-hmm. to the parties that he's recording, like he somehow is able to most of the time justify it as just be the technical expertise, you yeah. know, just it's a matter of of just the puzzle, the problem of being able to get the perfect recording and be the best of the best and and, yeah. and to do this, you know, using all of his means. He's very proud of the fact that he builds all of his own equipment, his microphones and stuff, recording equipment.
1: So I'm just in to, as like, how realistic is this? Like, would you be able to, I mean... And I'm reminded of when we were watching The Americans, which we totally need to go back and finish at some point. But like, how realistic is this? Like, like, would you be able to get that clean of a recording where you could understand, you know, something that he whispered into someone's ear while they're standing right next to a, you know, a band that's playing? I mean, like, is that realistic at all for the well, technology? From, from or? what I
0: understand, is they had they had wiretappers mm-hmm. on payroll like yeah. as further deep yeah. research into the character and that stuff so that this is, was all based on what could be done at the time yeah. so I think that I don't think that's science fiction I think that yeah. that was possible well and it's
1: like I, I don't know because like I don't our, know about the boat
0: thing that they're talking yeah. about
1: <laughs> yeah our concept of what could what is possible and what isn't isn't very clear because like of course with our digital technology a lot more is possible but like even if you have cameras everywhere which like now we have cameras like everywhere they're most of the time the cameras are not 360 cameras they're focused even if they're wide angle lenses they're focused in one particular area they don't move so like you only have pictures of when people and that's the same of in england they have cameras everywhere in england but like you know if you read a crime novel set in england or ireland you see that like yeah, we've got some pictures but like it's not clear like if somebody turns, you know, it's only only what's visible is what's in the camera's view. Mm-hmm. So I mean like only what you can record is what the strength of your equipment can record, you know. So I I don't know, I'm always curious as to like the the difference between like what you would actually be able to capture, you know, and what serves the story, <laughs> I guess.
0: I don't know. From what yeah. I understand, what they were able to do is not that far-fetched. Okay. Yeah. it's just baffles us because yeah. you don't think that something like that is possible. Yeah. But, I mean, you have people, you know, across the street in multiple places. There's at least two. There's a rooftop and there's a window yeah. mic. You know, and there are these, like,
1: <laughs> yeah <I> know,
0: <laughs> shotgun mics that mm. are just super intense, like the best of the best at the time. One of them has that kind of yeah. Uh I'm I'm like making an circles. I'm making circles it's in like the It's like
1: an antenna shaped thing.
0: Yeah, like a, a like a satellite satellite parabolic kind of thing with the yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know. This stuff is pretty intense. Yeah. So the fact that you've got they're getting they got they did it somehow with three recordings. One yeah. of them was just the guy on the ground walking around with the paper bag and yeah. the mic in the bag. Or he's whatever.
1: got a receiver in yeah. the in the present. And he gets spotted at some point yeah. and
0: has to cut loose because they're mm-hmm. like that. The the couple they hear the they couple spotting, on the recording yeah. say that man with the hearing aid he's been following us around and around. And then they like tell him to to take to, to to cut loose and <laughs> he comes back to uh, send that guy's a cop too. Yeah, like, he's a, like an off-duty cop. They're looking right, for him. Yeah. Um,
1: I just, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, what, what is possible, you know, (laughs) it reminds me like in Veronica Mars, like they have, there's a lot of that sort of like bugs and recording people and, and that sort of thing. And I just wonder, like, it's handy to have that, but like, what, what is real and what serves the story, I guess, you know.
0: I'm gonna research this yeah. to to see how realistic the conversation yeah. recording actually is. Well, and but
1: it's it's so during this whole like drunken wire trapper party um, earlier in the day, um, the uh, or Bertie, is that his name puts a puts a pen in in what's his name's pocket. He
0: gives him a pen. It's swag, yeah, right? from his his booth.
1: Which, like, honestly, he should have been a little suspicious of that. <laughs> don't take a pen from a wiretap dude <laughs> i think
0: he's drunk and he's yeah. flattered by the yeah. attention
1: yeah well he wasn't drunk when well maybe he was i don't think they were drinking Not, during the convention he just he gave, gave him a pen, a pen at the convention yeah. yeah
0: here's one for you here's one for you i yeah. don't know i don't think he takes bernie moran very seriously yeah i guess it's so. like maybe his own pride no. allows that to happen because he doesn't really think much of that guy no he just doesn't see it coming
1: so it turns out that this pen is a microphone and Bernie has like a tiny little tape reel to reel that he's been recording on. And at some point he like plays back like a conversation he was having with the booth babe.
0: It's also not just any conversation. Yeah. It's like the one time in the movie when he lowers his That's guard true. and does allow him to talk yeah. about what's actually on his mind and in his heart. Yeah. And it's the the woman from the booth. They're, they go off during the party and she can see that he's like distraught about something yeah. like he's not doesn't seem to be himself and she's like it's safe you know you can talk to me how can I help you what can I do you, you, obviously there's something on your mind I don't know how she, she pulls it out of him but yeah. I mean all that he really says is he kind of presents the hypothetical of what if there was a situation where you you know did something or you had something that you recorded that you were responsible for that could hurt people and you know he's kind of this is the this is the dilemma of the movie like he's now he can't give up those tapes he can't let those people get the tapes because he cannot allow himself to be responsible again for something like the murder of that family back east he's also catholic oh yeah that's right. which also raises the stakes for his his sense of guilt and there is a confession scene where he also talks about some of this stuff and
1: that's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so even though he's like seems so straight laced and unflappable and really just not emotional at all, like the, he's starting to crack yeah. with the the weight and the pressure of having. Possibly being a party to something.
1: Well, and that in Harrison, Harrison Ford also shows up at the convention to like
0: he's been following him, Follow him around. He's like, I'm not following you. I'm trying to. What is I'm this? trying.
1: I'm looking for you. Is yeah. What he says. He's <laughs> like, I'm not tailing you.
0: I'm. I'm looking for you. Here, have a drink. He's, he's already got. It's
1: be, open about it. Yeah. Like we're not. Uh...
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not hiding. I'm not yeah. secretly following you. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to. I'm actually like, trying I'm, to, talk I'm, to. I want to talk to you. <laughs> And I think that's the time where he says, all right, we, I set up an appointment for you to meet the director. You can do payment in full. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday at one. It's like yeah. that same Sunday. It's the next The day, Sunday yeah. that's coming up on the recording. Um, so but,
1: he ends up spending, the, which like, again, this is like, I mean, he must be drunk and really off his game, but he like ends up sleeping with the... Um,
0: The booth woman. The
1: booth woman. I'm Um, sorry, I
0: don't know her name.
1: (laughs) I don't know her name either.
0: I want to say Meredith, but I don't know why. Um,
1: like he he like starts playing the tape with her there, which is weird. And then um, they sleep together. I mean, and he's obviously really drunk because, like, he really just lays there when she's like taking off her clothes. (laughs) He just completely passing out. I don't even know if they
0: did anything in the end, really.
1: (laughs) Um, and then he has a dream. And there's a dream, a great dream sequence um, where he like sort of finally, I guess, pieces together what may or may not be happening or something like that. I
0: think in the dream, it, it's very smoky. Yeah. Or foggy. It's yeah. like San Francisco. It's, it's foggy. And he's like sees the woman from the conversation mm-hmm. in the distance at the park and is shouting at her not to go to the to the hotel yeah. thing. don't go there you know i think and
1: it's alta dana park which is the park in pacific heights it's the one that's like way up yeah. on the top it yeah has we the great spotted views. it i was
0: like i think that's that park we went to yeah. when we were in pacific it has States.
1: great views like down
0: yeah down it's got this the wonderful marina, this big, then, the stairs yeah, that go up the side and
1: up over to sutro hills and yeah it's um to where the Sutro Tower is, and towards downtown. It's great views But this is another...
0: This is this dream (laughs) sequence, which is so odd, kind of, in this movie, but it's definitely... It's another one of these things where Francis Coppola is, like, trying to make his version of, like, a French New Wave movie or something like that. Like... He was he's from the first generation of like the filmmakers who went to film school.
1: Yeah. Like
0: fell in love with the movies, went to film school in their 1920. He worked for Roger Corman like doing like stupid <laughs> things until, you know, and learning how, learning how to edit and whatever, you know, you worked on the job with Roger Corman and then you end up a director, right? So he did that. He went to film school, I think at USC um but you know they, these guys all grew up with uh the Ingmar Bergman movies and the mm. French New Wave movies and the Kurosawa movies Godard and all that and they all wanted to make these movies but they're making them in America and i think that you in a way you see bits of this that feel like him trying to do stuff like mm-hmm. from from like uh you know Godard or, or whatever yeah um so you've got this weird sort of european odd dream sequence kind of thing you have um, just, I think the another thing that kind of struck me as sort of new wave influence would be, like, the way you would have Hackman in the here and now, like, sitting there thinking or contemplating something, but then you would flash to, like... Weird close up images kind of partially obscured mm. of the couple repeating lines from That's the right yeah. it's almost like let me throw in some Hiroshima Amour kind of weird montage like yeah. thing here, but I don't know, I like that stuff <laughs> 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 because how would you not want to like use use these new ways of of uh, making movies when you're making your own movies in the seventies? I would have done that too, so.
1: Well, I mean, I I like that, The I mean, that's one of the things I liked about this film is that, like, you don't get the reveal, I mean, well, I don't know that you ever get reveal on what the full conversation is, Um, and, like, you certainly don't know what it means until the very end, Well, you know? I think that's the whole point of the And so he's, like, chewing on it, like, subconsciously, you know, like, and there's parts of it that are, like, sticking out to him, like, the way she says, oh, God... You know, and, and like, when you, like, it wasn't immediately apparent from the conversation that there was anything terrible or at stake, you yeah. know. And so then your mind is like, are they speaking in code? And they're not, really. It's just...
0: They're the being, argument with Stan, yeah. and Stan is like, this is the most boring conversation. Yeah. Who <laughs> wants to record this? Yeah. Why, who are we hired by? Yeah. What is this about?
1: Yeah.
0: But I think, in a way, that's that's the whole point is that i mean that's the thing is harry thinks that if you have the perfect recording equipment and you get the perfect recording you have all of his know-how all of his equipment and can mix that tape then you have reality you Mm -hmm. have the whole story but you don't because there's no context it's all ambiguous you don't know what they're talking about and in fact things they say early on that we hear over and over again, don't really mean anything until the end when we kind of understand more about what's actually going on.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think blow up does that too, yeah. because the only way for the photographer and blow up to see what's happening in the distance that he shot, you know, far away with that, you know, that lens is to blow up the picture, blow it up and blow it up, blow up, blow up, blow up enlarge yeah. it to the point where it's, it's just grain yeah. and pixelated. And a shape that might be vaguely the shape of a man lying yeah. in the grass, but also is really just grain. Yeah. You know? And so you have technology that's supposed to be flawless and able to, like, reproduce reality, but you don't get reality. You get... You can never get no. the truth. Yeah. And so I think that there's something hap- unfolding there. with and and, yeah. and Harry realizing, like, I've got the recordings, but I don't know what it means. Yeah. And I don't even know if I got every line well
1: and again like i'm not like i don't know i have some questions we can talk about when we get um we get to it but um so anyway he wakes up (laughs) and uh of course the lady has run off with his tapes
0: (laughs) the tapes are gone I,
1: i mean like i could have told you that was gonna happen um so the next day he goes to his appointment with the director which is robert duvall Harrison Ford's there. They say we had to get it from you. We weren't sure you were going to give it to us. And they're
0: listening to it when he walks yeah, into the office. Yeah.
1: And they're they have an argument too, don't they? Like Robert yeah. De yells something. Yeah, I don't remember to, um Harry gets his money and um leaves and then like has like a nerve- And they're
0: paying him for the yeah. for the recording they already stole. Yeah, they already Here's stole it. Here's the money cuz you got the recording. They throw, yeah. they throw the envelope at him.
1: So, like, he has sort of a mini breakdown where he, like, throws the money away and is, like, tearing out his hair and then he goes and grabs the money. Because could... there's no longer anything he yeah. can do. They yeah. have the goods. They, yeah.
0: Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. They'll know about this meeting mm. in a couple hours. Is it that same day? Like, it's, it's that same like day. that yeah. afternoon. Yeah. It's whatever's going to happen is going to play out. So what does he do?
1: He goes to the hotel. And, like, I thought he was going to do something about it. Um, he doesn't really... It's he, really interesting because... He bugs the room next... He rents the room next door to 773. Um, and he runs a bug through the wall into the bathroom of the adjoining suite, which...
0: It's sort of like what he's afraid of happening is so horrible that he still doesn't believe it. Or he doesn't... Yeah. like as cl- The closest he can get to it is like, what is he trying to do? Just verify that something bad is happening or not. Because what is the point of bugging that room and then sitting there while whatever happens, happens?
1: So yeah, he bugs the room and then he hears the beginning of an argument and then some, like, crashes through his bug and then he goes out on the patio and he sees, like, like, a hand of blood, like... Not very clearly because the the glass in between the two patios... Um, but
0: I think you see the silhouette of the woman standing yeah. there yeah, and, and a, a hand slapping against the... Like the wall. A, a struggle. Yeah. It's like... What is it? Glazed or fogged? It's glass. glazed it's glass. It's glazed glass so you can't see clearly what's happening. You see a struggle. You hear a struggle. A, a, hand, a bloody hand smashes yeah. against the thing. And then he completely disintegrates, yeah. right? He goes he, like, and... closes the he door. He closes the door. Turns
1: on the TV. Puts
0: the pillows around his head. Crumples. Yeah to the floor like he doesn't want to hear it he doesn't want to see it he just wants to block it all out it's now happening it's not a recording it's not yeah. about the recording he, does it's not about the he doesn't call the police he doesn't call the police and i couldn't remember that i was waiting to see doesn't i was like does he call the police does i was actually thinking before that was going to happen i must be remembering another film but i was yeah. picturing a scene where he called and tried to explain to somebody that something yeah. was going to happen and them being like whatever you know, No, but he, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he doesn't just melts. try to stop it. It's like he just tries to record it or verify that. Yeah. Like I guess if if by surveilling the scene of this mm-hmm. meeting was he hoping that his fears were wrong and he would hear that nothing happened? Because yeah. I don't understand what like <laughs> the paralysis of of getting to the point of of believing something horrible's gonna happen and not doing anything anything other than doing what he does which is wiretapping yeah it's fascinating i don't know what it says about his character except like he completely melts down sort of
1: well i mean and the thing is is like he didn't even need to do that he could have just sent the police up there you know like a well-placed call to the police saying that there's a you know the police probably would have checked that out yeah you know
0: (laughs) so I think at this point, I was telling Ashley earlier that I wanted to rope off the end yeah. of the podcast as for spoilers. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to get out my lasso. No. Okay. <laughs> but so if you haven't seen the conversation, um, yes, we've talked our way through a lot of, you know, the, the main problem of the movie and the situation with the recording. But there are some, like, f- there's a final... There are some final revelations that if you want to protect yourself from hearing about, you still want to go back and see the movie, um, you should hit pause now or stop and walk. Just take a few steps backward, walk away and um, have a
1: breakdown in your bed, have a breakdown in your bed Turn on the TV real loud. Yeah,
0: you can turn on the TV really loud, (laughs) pretend this isn't happening, put the pillow around your head. But um, that's our warning because we're going to go into spoiler territory now. Okay. Uh, All right. All right. So, uh, spoilers. So, what happens when he goes next door to the because, hotel room? And,
1: like, the afterwards, next door when looks, he wakes up, there's no, there's nothing there. The, pe- there's no people next door. He like breaks in, um, because in, in addition to being a wiretapper, he can also, uh, uh break yeah. locks, you know, he
0: picks to lock,
1: um, and it looks
0: like it's been cleaned by the maid. Completely it's per- clean. It's totally and clean. There's
1: a wrap around the toilet thing, which is not a thing that I remember, but apparently is something they used to do. Oh, it's they still a wrap do that toilets. sometimes. Okay.
0: I, I still find that sometimes.
1: So it's like supposed to... I was... I was
0: it, it I was seriously
1: th- was taking up a lot of my brain energy being oh. like, is this to prove that no one else has used yes, the toilet since they for. cleaned it? It's like a... It's, okay. It's a, This has been a cleaned thing. and sealed.
0: Yeah, I don't know why they do that. They still do that sometimes. I've been to <laughs> okay, hotels. I have not just,
1: seen anything that looks like that before. So I was Maybe it was more common that. then. But. Um, anyway, that was... Uh, probably it was more common then because I I I don't remember anything like that in my lifetime. So um. So for all
0: intents and purposes, there's this moment where you're like, Nothing happened. What yeah. the fuck? It's all in his head. Yeah. Like, he's just paranoid AF. Yeah. and And, um, like, nothing happened.
1: Yeah. But then he, like... And this is the thing. I wasn't sure if this was entirely real until we get the reveal later. But, like, there's this scene where he opens up the toilet mm-hmm. that's running. Yeah. The toilet's running. And he kind of jiggles the handle. And then he tries to flush it. Mm-hmm. And then this sort of, like, like red... A towel or something like a. There's a towel shoved down the toilet thing, and then a bunch of blood comes out. So the the the
0: the, the toilet, toilet stopped up. when he flushes it to try and stop because it's a running toilet. Yeah. You know how the water is just yeah. continuously running. When he flushes it, it overflows with blood and yeah. towel, like <laughs> blood all over the place, like ridiculously gratuitous, Amount like of red blood. blood pouring out of the toilet. Total like scene from The Shining. Yeah, it was very shiny, and the music is this screeching, horrible like shock kind of psycho type music. I
1: wasn't sure that part was real or not. Like maybe it's just like his intuition that something terrible happened and it didn't actually look like that. I'm not entirely clear on that.
0: I think that, I I don't know. I mean, you can argue either way because I think a, it doesn't really make sense.
1: Yeah. If, if you know how to clean up a body, a bloody scene so well, you would know not to flush a bloody towel I down I was the so toilet. confused
0: the first yeah. time I saw the movie, when I was a kid or a teenager or whatever, that I was like, did they like cut up the body and flush it down the toilet or something? But oh, that no. doesn't make sense, because that would take hours yeah. and it would just not work.
1: I assume the assumption is that it's the bloody towel that they use to wipe up yeah, everything. Yeah, but the amount
0: of, of But you wouldn't put that in a bag yeah. and
1: taken it with you. There's no way you would flush so, it down the toilet.
0: <laughs> I do think there's supposed to be some blood. I think that we can... I feel okay making the assumption that this is a psychologically enhanced version of whatever. Yeah. Like maybe it was just a t- piece of toilet paper with a little blood or yeah. something like that. Like that they used to... Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the amount of blood that pours out is so surrealistic and gratuitous and intense that it has to be like his own psychologically amplified version of what happened so i think the story needs him to discover that something actually happened there so i think he sees something i think we're not necessarily seeing what what he actually yeah what he actually saw because as as a literal example of what would be the remnants of this murder it doesn't make sense
1: yeah
0: how however it's such, for me. It's such a great weird movie moment that yeah. I love that scene. Yeah, like it's super creepy, and it has that like shock, like no. screechy music, and he like backs away and likes clutching his head, and yeah. like the blood's pouring out of the toilet. It really is this great sort of blood out of the elevator from The yeah. Shining kind of moment.
1: And but then it, our next scene is it? Does is it very the very next scene they cut to like a like a news, like a newspaper. Of this, like, CEO being killed. Or wait, what happens?
0: No, it's... It, you're right. It's almost right after... it. it
1: or does it, he see the...
0: I'm uncertain it, about the time sequence, but to me, it looks like he's emerging from the hotel. Yeah. He's been out for a certain amount yeah. of time. We don't know, because... Yeah. Does he wake up at night or in the afternoon it's, or what? It's
1: during the day it, when he's...
0: It may even be the next day. Yeah. Because... The time sequence doesn't make sense otherwise yeah. because he emerges to find. Was it on the news on the TV too, or just a newspaper?
1: I think we see the newspaper first, and then I can't remember exactly. And then
0: does he go back to the office building? Is that what where the Embarcadero? He
1: does try to go back to the office. So there's building.
0: a newspaper that reveals that the CEO
1: was in a car accident. Was
0: in a terrible car accident, and he survived by his wife.
1: Yeah. And then and she's... He go, she's we, he, yeah, you yeah. go for it. Well, he, he goes back to one Embarcadero Center and tries to go up to see the director.
0: But the director's not there.
1: And they won't let him go upstairs. And then his wife is giving a press conference or something like that? Or does he see that on TV? I can't remember. No, his
0: he sees a car outside. It's like a hearse yeah. or like a... Oh, that's a, right. Yeah. yeah. And she's in the back of the car getting out and there's like news people around. It's not and, a hearse. It's just a... And, well, it's, it's a black car. It's, it's just a... a it's a limo. It's a limo or a whatever. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm now amplified. Yeah, it's stuff a Stuff that isn't there.
1: It's just a blue limo. A she's weird clearly
0: blue. the widow. Yeah. She's the, the wife of the director. Yeah. She's the woman from the conversation.
1: Yeah.
0: Her husband was the one who was murdered, the Robert Duvall character.
1: And and the nondescript guy and is And the nondescript
0: there. guy, Frederick Forrest, the man yeah. of the conversation. Yes.
1: Is there is by her side. Yeah.
0: And she's inheriting everything. Yeah. And they're lovers, they have they're a couple. Yeah. And Harrison Ford, the assistant, is also implicated. Yeah. Okay. So the opposite of what he thought was gonna happen. Happened. So
1: what's interesting is that like and like the thing is, is he was right. His instinct about Harrison Ford was right. He shouldn't have given the tape to Harrison Ford. But, but the the thing is, is that the trust, the issue was, is that the Robert Duvall character had already given his trust to Harrison Ford, who was working for his wife and and her lover, I guess.
0: He probably gets a cut of the corporation yeah. or something. Yeah. Like he's in, like he's part of this. They've all set up Harry and the director. Yeah. And what Harry thought was going to result in their murder for their, their, yeah. uh, adulterous affair yeah. was them conspiring to get the husband to that room to murder him. Yes, yeah, so They that, murdered him in that room. Yeah. He didn't murder them. Yeah. And that's where he was totally wrong about what the recording yeah. meant. And then again, it hits that, that point of like, you can have the recording, but without the context or, the, you know, it's not the reality. You cannot get the meaning from it. Yeah. So...
1: So then he goes back to his apartment, and he's playing his saxophone, as you do, and his secret phone rings that nobody has the phone number for. The phone
0: that he's denied even owning throughout the entire movie. People are always asking for his (laughs) phone number, and he says, I don't own a phone. Yeah. He goes to pay phones to make calls. Apparently, he's got a phone in his desk that he just plugs in when he needs it. Phone rings.
1: And, um, you know... Does, it, does anything... I don't remember if they said anything. They
0: do. It's, uh, it's Harrison Ford. Yeah. It's Harrison Ford's voice. Um, he says, uh, we know you're on to us, or we know you know. We know yeah. you know. Yeah. We're watching you.
1: Yeah.
0: And he plays back for him a recording of the sax solo he was just playing two okay, seconds before. yeah. So we've got... We, we're yeah. listening and we're watching.
1: So he, like, goes through his entire... I mean, like, his entire apartment. Like, he takes down every lampshade. He takes down all the curtains. He goes through all his statues. He eventually, like, pulls up the floorboards. He, like...
0: You tell a wiretapper that we've got you bugged? He knows he has to look everywhere.
1: So he checks, like, everywhere um, for this bug. Never finds it. But, like, you know, we're left... The end of the movie, he's, like, sitting alone in this, like, ripped-up apartment, you know. Oh, this poor yeah. <laughs> San
0: Francisco, whatever, North Beach apartment, completely gutted, you know, with the floorboards. <laughs> Wallpaper torn off. The He's dismantled the, la- the the light fixture so it's, like, hanging in the middle of the room. Like, the whole thing is just gutted and awful. And he's sitting there playing the act at the end, right? Yeah. In the corner. This is the epilogue. The la- this, To me... Yeah. Amazing last shot.
1: <laughs> Amazing
0: last shot is him sitting there in long shot with the camera panning. Mm-hmm. Because the fucking camera is doing a surveillance shot. Yeah. Panning slowly <laughs> to the left to him and then back again. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But I love the aesthetic choice to make that. It's th- that. Yep. You didn't find it. You're still being watched. We could still hear you. The camera... Coppola's camera is implicated as a surveillance device because it's literally scanning and panning back and forth like a surveillance camera robotically in that last shot. So,
1: what my question is is like, why did they need him?
0: (sighs) Let's talk about that. They clearly
1: have like an A plus really good surveillance guy who I assume is Bernie. I don't know. But anyway, they've got their own, they've got, you know women who will you know do what they need to do in order to get the tapes that they want you know they have what i
0: think here's what i think yeah i was wondering about this too and so one thing i can think of is that maybe the maybe the duval character the director yeah was suspicious enough that he'd already set this in motion. Yeah. He was surveilling them. Okay. So they decided to take advantage of the fact that he's surveilling them by staging shit that he can yeah. he can find out. So they can de- lead him by the nose to be in the time and the place and in the circumstances while he thinks that he's got the upper hand and the only, he's the only one that knows what's going on. That's what I think, that yeah. he's already planning to surveil them. Maybe he's even already hired Harry Call, the best in the business. And so they, like, game it. Mm -hmm. I think they're, like, hacking it or gaming the system. They're taking advantage of his paranoia and his sense of control by actually, like...
1: Giving him what he thought he was going to get. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's what they do. So that they're using both Harry and... um, And the director's own plan that he set in it. Well,
1: I mean, because when you think about it, like... Because
0: otherwise, it doesn't make sense. If you're just
1: meeting your lover in a a park, you aren't going to be like, yeah, let's meet at this hotel at 3 o'clock, you know. It just seems kind of like weird to, like, go out and, like, lay it out that specifically. Like, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, except, like... It's suggested at some point that they, they've they already caught on to the fact that they've been eavesdropped yeah, on before. True. Yeah, So that the whole point of it is they can only talk and set up private things when they think they're in a busy yeah, public place. Yeah, but again, it
1: feels a little contrived on their part. Yeah. Like, we're going to be very clear about where we're well, meeting here's the and thing. the place and the time, you know the room number but
0: the audience is the right audience for that yeah. because it's a guy who doesn't think about humans yeah. and how people talk or what emotions yeah. are like or that that's likely for somebody to say or not it's somebody who just like is very literal yeah. like he's got this information that he recorded on tape well and so and that has been similar
1: it. to that too yeah. you know to not be like i don't know but you wouldn't think that if you're the one trying to spy on someone, that it's spy versus spy, that that someone's turned around and spying on you, you know. Right. Reverse spying.
0: Well, there's no, <laughs> I mean, it has to be that the husband was already doing surveillance on them. Otherwise, the whole movie doesn't make sense, because no. they could set this up, they could set up the husband... Without any recordings or surveillance or anything, yeah. you just have to lead him to the right place. Yeah. You could do that in any number of ways. And also, he was like, he Yeah, you could have,
1: write something and then throw it in the he's trash. He's a rich guy you know, who or,
0: wants to pay for the best surveillance yeah. and like the tech stuff or something like that. Because otherwise, you could just hire private detectives like you do in Chinatown or any mm. other movie well, it's, to follow people around choose, and take pictures. You choose your own
1: downfall. And he yeah. th- that was the downfall he chose. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think so. Interestingly, Robert Duvall was uncredited in the movie. I think it's yeah. just he's he's was he's buddies with Coppola. They yeah. just made The Godfather together. They probably couldn't pay his like rate. Well or he's whatever. only in
1: like one scene, so yeah, you know. he's <laughs> in one scene, but uh
0: he's not credited. Yeah. Um I I like I didn't remember he was in it until he's on screen. I was like, I didn't see his name in the credits. And then it does I was looking at IMDV and there's a number of people who are uncredited. I don't know who else. But did, so were you, did you see the, did you anticipate that twist at the end that it was the kind of like reversal sort of thing that,
1: I mean, I, I I can't say that I was like terribly surprised, but I wouldn't, I didn't immediately guess. I wasn't like, oh, it's totally going to be a switch and reverse thing. But I wasn't like, I wasn't like,
0: you know, it wasn't like, oh my God, what?
1: Yeah. What's in the box? No. Um.
0: (laughs) Six Sixth Sense or something, right? What? What? He's dead? He's dead, too? <laughs> uh,
1: we just spoiled all of the
0: same. So, no, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't say who.
1: Swing away, Casey. It's, um. it's fine.
0: Because um, I saw this too many years ago to remember anything about like no. whether that was... I mean, for me, most of the movie... Like, that's... I mean, yes, of course, the movie needs to... We need to know what actually was mm. happening in the story. But it's not why the movie's interesting yeah. to me, I guess.
1: No, I all mean, of, it's, it's all about... It's it's about the character study. Of, it is
0: about the character.
1: And, like, Harry is, like... It's interesting. He's an interesting character. He's not who Gene Hackman usually plays. He's kind of, like, softer and more sensitive and, you know... Very
0: introverted.
1: Very introverted. And, like, he's proud of the work that he does and the things that he's done, but... I mean, because that comes out in the in the conference scenes that he's, like, proud of some of the stuff that he's accomplished. But it doesn't give him, like, a great deal of confidence or swagger or anything like that, you know? Um, not the way that it does for, you know, and, and, you know, also when faced with the, you know, evidence, the actual, you know, sitting in front of him is the thing that he was afraid to happen. He doesn't take any action from... You know, he doesn't take any action that would prevent, would save yeah. anybody's life. So, I don't know, it's 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 interesting, like, he understands the power of what he's doing and how dangerous it is, but he does it anyway, um, but he lacks any courage to, you know, prevent the things that, that he's afraid of from happening, from happening, you know, so, I don't know, it's, 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 it's interesting. it's a very
0: flawed, real yeah. character. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. It's it is so unlike anything Gene Hackman's ever done because I'm thinking like I think he probably would have already like he's usually been kind of banana I mean like extroverted yeah. and like loud and yeah. um, he was in he was a little nutty and Bonnie and the Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and the Clyde Bonnie you know Bonnie, Bonnie and the Clyde <laughs> yes Bonnie and Clyde uh, it, he's um, he's in it he's on he's yeah. he's is he is he Clyde's brother or something yeah, I don't know he's I believe right, so. right right he's a loud boisterous like Southern guy he's shouting a yeah and he's uh Popeye Doyle, French connection cop, like he's usually very out there yeah. and extroverted and like big personality um yeah, right through the line through his whole career. so this yeah. is very like it's like they said, turn everything off, yeah, and just be as internal as you can be. um And I was reading that um Hackman was kind of irritable on set. Mm. Because he this performance was so buttoned down for yeah. him, like, and he was he's actually much looser, friendlier, yeah. like more extroverted guy, and he was more of a hippie type, I think, yeah. then too. And they put him in like this suit and the raincoat and the like yeah. nerdy <laughs> haircut and the glasses and all yeah. that. And he was like, I don't know. They said the working relationship with Coppola was good, but he was just kind of really felt like ah uh, just. So uncomfortable being this such this straight laced like character who doesn't emote who doesn't seem to express anything, and he now looks back at it as as, like one of his favorite roles that he's ever done one of the best things he's ever done. It's a great performance. Yeah, I think it's such a well written character. Yeah, it's like everything in this story, everything in the suspense story, everything about his work and his home life and that relationship with the girlfriend, like everything is about revealing that character. Yeah. And yet it also tells us neat this cool mystery story. This (laughs) suspenseful story too. So
1: good hmm. stuff. I mean, I do see a lot of this I mean like especially in like Veronica Mars, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of this sort of like
0: wiretappy kind of stuff well also the
1: sort of like unexpected turn of events like what you, what think you would you think, you think is gonna going be on. is gonna be something entirely different i mean which is you know common for mystery stories anyway but i mean like rarely does it also involve this like wiretapping you know and there's several i think um veronica mars stories that were pretty highly influenced by this film i mean like I mean it it's it's almost a little noir in a way, you know. Yeah. You know, his 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 own downfall, you know, pretty much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I, I I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, contemporary, especially well, I mean, I th- even in The Wire I think probably that there's a lot of I know you haven't seen very much of it and it's something that we should go back and yeah. watch, but I definitely think that there's some some of the characterization, some of the sort of like twists and turns and the unexpected things that happen, you know, and they get in I mean like that's the one thing that's so cool about the wire is they get into the sort of like practicalities of what wiring looks like. I yeah. mean in a modern context. Mm-hmm. But they also like talk about like the legalities and the you know, so it's I mean, and it is from a criminal, you know, a policing sort of perspective rather than sort of a private eye sort of thing, but but I think that there's there's definitely some influences there, you know, um and like think about how like important like wiretapping became like you know with the watergate tapes and and everything you know that we learned about that you know um how influential this sort of thing became on society mm-hmm. for a very long time you know um i don't think it's much of a thing anymore <laughs> I don't know if it's. I I think like as people become more aware of it, that that maybe that people have gotten more careful. I mean, and that's well,
0: but now we're in yeah. the era where your phones and your laptops and stuff can be co opted and you know camera switched on and and keys strokes yeah. recorded and well, so there's all Well, it's funny because
1: like the wire. I mean, because the technology then, which is now like fifteen mm-hmm. years ago, now. Even then, they're able to manipulate it in very interesting ways, the the technology of the time, mm-hmm. you know. And there's, like, this constant, like, technology battle between the criminals and the police in, like, how they're using the technology and how they're averting the use of that technology in order to not be caught. It's very interesting. Well,
0: and then... Going back to 1974 yeah. again, if you want to talk about the level of sophistication that at least they're presenting that they yeah. have, you have this thing that Bernie d- demonstrates at the convention yeah. where you can dial somebody's phone number and, yeah. and have the phone not ring but start yeah. recording if you yeah. give it the right signal when you're punching in the number and the device has been planted. And I think planted. we
1: get a lot of this also with the Americans, which again, we've only watched part of the, Maybe the first season. First season. But like I've seen some of the second season onwards, and like they they definitely get into that more sophisticated si- sorts of of things. And and again, when you're watching it, it's like how realistic is this? Like, is this the is this like really what the Russians were doing? You know, it's it's kind of fascinating to to think about that. But um, I can imagine that this film would have been pretty inter- influential in that as well. You know, you know. But it does feel all very spy versus spy. You don't know that you're watching spy versus spy until the end,
0: hmm. you know. I definitely want to see more yeah. of that show. Yeah. <laughs> so I have one random detail that yeah. I forgot to mention that I really admire about on the film from the filmmaking and editing perspective, and the the way yeah. you know Coppola had to um present this conversation again and again revealing more revealing less kind of you know as Harry is learning more about it or as you said kind of playing it yeah. through his mind subconsciously and one thing that i think is fascinating is i think it's 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 actually the big reveal at the end of the yeah. film when you find out what actually happened when it which is all done as this quick yeah. cut montage yeah. where he sees that the woman is still alive he sees the headline on the paper he sees the lover and then in his head you see like a recreation of what actually just That's happened. Right. You see yeah. them like uh, wrapping up Duvall in the shower curtain and it's his bloody hand I on the other side. You yeah. see all that play out, but you also have him replaying the conversation in his head again. And this time they take the same line from the conversation with a completely different line read. Yeah. I swear to God, if you go back to the earlier part of the movie, it's not delivered in this yeah. way. But Frederick Forrest, the man in the conversation earlier says he'd kill us if he had the chance when they play it again at the end yeah. and they show it again same close-up it's played as he'd kill us if he had the chance like it's literally a different line reading yeah he'd kill us if he had the chance which if Which seems
1: like a reaction to he, like do well, we need to kill him If he
0: had heard it that yeah. way that suggests that yeah. they're going to kill him before he could yeah. kill them and he would have had th- so you yeah. know what i mean like is that in his head? Is that on the recording? It's all in that gray area of the ambiguity of having something but not reality. Well, and that's capture. that's the
1: thing. is the, One of the things that we never know is what she says before he says that. You know, that's yeah. one of the things that they... You
0: can't hear because they they're standing next to the bongos. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, like, uh, it's yeah, it's like an intriguing parts that are missing from the conversation.
0: He'd kill us if he had to change. Yeah. <laughs> They really just said what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, doesn't make sense if they know they're being recorded, so I'm not sure. But anyway.
1: Well, and again, it's just, and I will I will say this forever. If you want to get a divorce, it may be expensive, but go ahead and get a divorce. Don't kill. You don't have to kill anyone. <laughs> no one has to leave dead. You guys can just break up. It's okay. You don't have to hire, like,
0: surveillance experts either, probably. Yeah all right uh this has been a a a conversation about the conversation that's almost as long as the movie the conversation it's actually not but um anyway do you have any any other things you wanted to say about the movie or where we've been this week
1: you know i think i like front-loaded my commentary about movies of the 70s i guess so front-loaded yeah okay i mean i'm still i'm still curious I'm, i'm i'm curious about why I mean, it's probably a combination of, like, the technology and the style of the time and the... But I'm always, like, curious as to why certain movies look certain ways. And, like, it just feels to me like the 70s, like, universally have that sort of, like, warm, grainy. And, like, is it just because it's all shot on film and the film stock that they had at the time, um, you know, is such that it didn't, like, create these incredibly, like... I mean, like, because I know that films from the 60s also have a different... It looks different. Like, Mm -hmm. it looks crisper. It doesn't look so grainy as the ones from the 70s. But it's still not as, like, the colors aren't as true, you know, as, as... I don't know if we got, like, some sort of new, like, starting the 80s on some sort of, like, new type of film that we were able to shoot more clear, bright, crisp things or, you know, and then now when we shoot on digital, it's like... Like super,
0: you know. yeah. You're shooting on 35 millimeter <laughs> yeah. stock. Um, it has grain. Yeah. Like I remember going to the movies all my we entire did. life and seeing the grain of the movie, even in a brand new print of you know Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. They used to, used to have the grain.
1: You know what? I'm um, also like not which is like lighting. Like the style, the type of light bulbs that we have mm-hmm. now are different than yeah. we did back then. So, of well, course, that's going to look different. A movie like
0: the, like the Godfather or The Conversation is not lit the way Singing in the Rain is lit. Yeah. Or like most movies in the Hollywood studio system, which are basically freaking lit, you know, with yeah. sh- like everything, you know, well, in a sound stage. Everything, everything that's why it looks and the way that the light everything light there is, is overexposed. That's why it's crisp. Yeah. That's why it's smooth. That's, um...
1: Well, no, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining myself. I mean, like... To me, like, when you put a movie on from the 70s, mm-hmm. like, even without understanding, like, if you're, I don't know, if you're looking at um, um 2001, yeah. for example, mm-hmm. you know, not the, like, redone, beautiful, digital copies that they have now, but if you looked at 2001... I think I would still be able to look at and say that film came from the seventies. Just like if I saw a film from the sixties. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would be like, or is it 68? Okay.
0: I'm yeah. being pedantic. Sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but I mean, like if you look at a film from earlier in the sixties, it's just to be like, okay, well, this came from the sixties. Whereas if you look at a film that came from, I don't know, at some point, even if it's shot on film, like it looks like, I don't know, it looks sharper the grain lines are much finer. I don't know. It's something changed and I don't know what it is, you know.
0: I don't know without looking at each scenario and pulling American cinematographer articles from the 70s because I think there's a lot of things that could be going on. Yeah, I do think that there was less that a lot of these Movies of this ilk of the conversation, Serpico, French Connection, all of these sort of the ones we call gritty. They had that gritty look because they're they're not being they're making choices. They're pushing it. Yeah, Yeah. they're pushing the film. They're making choices not to light them the same way. They may not be using the same kind of filters on the windows that would change the way the camera is reading the light. They're making all these choices to, in some cases, show more of the grain of the film. And the fact that it is a film, because they're also influenced by French New Wave and by Cinema Verite and shooting quickly on the street that kind of thing you're seeing more locations actual locations shooting in real places outside and inside I, there's so many things that could be going on but i don't think they're as concerned with hiding the art of film and making things look yeah. exactly like i just you know it's, that kind of artificial that I, way that
1: i i noticed <clears throat> i've always noticed it you know and like and there's you a, know it's it's interesting and like you can tell when a film has been digitally corrected mm mm-hmm because it has those like super saturated blacks. Oh my god.
0: Well, you know, yeah.
1: and which I don't think is a good thing necessarily. I don't think it's a good thing to digitally improve these films so much so that you take something where it used to be like a dull black and they turn it into a bright, shiny, glitzy black that changes the way. I mean, like I'm not so upset about it if they're doing it in 2001, I think 2001 is supposed to be shiny and glitzy in that way. And they did that to the best of their ability in 68. But like, I think like a lot of these films, if you digitally enhance them so much so that it changes the way that it looks, it'll make it look like a glossy brand new movie. And I don't think that's necessary. I know that's
0: something specifically Kubrick didn't want to be done with his movies. Yeah, He (laughs) didn't want the aspect ratios to be changed for the video release. He didn't want... He wanted you to see the film that he made, no. you know. Um, I do think a lot of the... A f- certain amount of things that look rougher... Yeah. Are older prints that haven't been restored or gone back to the original camera negative yeah so like you know that if you go back and look at the godfather that came out on dvd 10 years ago or 15 years ago that's before they restored it and went back to the negatives and color corrected and all that stuff and purportedly what they're giving you is what audiences would have seen which is the color was that rich it was that whatever but the the what we've been seeing for decades does not look like that i mean you're working. With whatever the...
1: Well, and I think, like, a film like Godfather, like, the sort of, like, a tobacco tent mm-hmm. is not a terrible thing to have for that kind of No, but I mean, film, it, uh, it looked, you know? we
0: could put them up side by side, because yeah. I think I have both the yeah. DVD <laughs> and the new color correction, yeah. and they look totally different, you Yeah, know? But I think when they're doing it. But, I mean, they're doing it's like, m-
1: even the style of the wedding dresses in the 70s, mm-hmm. pure white was not a thing. Yeah, yeah. They did, like, a, it was, like, a more yellowy-white, mm-hmm. you know was kind of the color scheme, you know, so the sort of, like, blazing white would not be the, you know, like the the reds wouldn't be like, to, they wouldn't be like cherry red, they would be like a tomato red because of, you know, they'd be more orange, yeah. I don't know. So it's it's as much about the color scheme of the time, I guess, but I, I don't know, I, I just always think it's curious how how like that their styles of the way that film is printed. Well, I think another (laughs) aesthetic
0: choice was people didn't want you to see the grain. I mean, the older era was, you know, Mm -hmm. we want to give you like the movie, you know? And I think when you're making a movie, like the conversation and everything's on location, I don't think there's anything in the studio, maybe the convention scene, although I bet they probably found a hotel ballroom or something. Um, Like, it's like, give me enough light to shoot the scene. Yeah. There's not a lot being done there to, uh, to, um, you know, hide the yeah. cracks around the edges or the grain.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's like technicolor is a very specific type of color. Yeah. this it's is not, not These real. are not technicolor. It's not also, real looking yeah. color. Whereas, like, I no. feel like in the 80s and 90s, we got this focus on, like, real representation of color, you know, more so, like...
0: I, I think we're getting out of the habit of yeah. you know, of remembering what film looked like. Yeah. And what you're describing about the grain, like, is almost, I think you see in everything almost until, like, we switch over to digital.
1: I think it's more, it's more in the 70s than, and again, I think that's an intentional choice yeah. on that part of it, but it's, it's more obvious in the films from the 70s.
0: I agree. Yeah. But I also know, if I go back and look at <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop, 1985 or whatever, it's also a pretty grainy... Film film shot on thirty five millimeter. Yeah. You can see the grain.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know anyway. the, the color is not as brown I guess is yeah. the, is is my point <laughs> you know or warm yeah. I guess is what I'm anyway
0: I don't know any cinematographers or uh, DPs want to <laughs> write in with uh, to explain to us the situation with 70s I'm always movies?
1: interested in like trends and then photog- photographic choices well you so. would have
0: if you had ever gotten into cinematography you would have liked American Cinematographer because it's yeah. literally like they'll take the movies and they'll Go. say we use these lenses and this mm. film stock and to get this shot we did this and then in processing we push the film and extra yeah. stuff you know they tell you all of that stuff yeah. it's super geeky stuff that nobody else would want to read yeah but it's fascinating if you're into the photography and the lighting yeah I don't have that article for this movie so oh, okay. sorry sorry. I didn't realize it was nominated for best picture, it didn't win and stuff. It won the can, the Palme d'Or at Cannes. I didn't know that. I, can I see learned that. this it's, for the first time. To, I always thought it was a very I
1: think it is very good. It's yeah. I like I mean and to me I liked it better than The Godfather and I know that's probably sacrilegious for I some I, I people, think it's one
0: of the best films of the 70s. It's really hands down. it's
1: really good. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah.
0: And I was holding back all this time because I had this weird idea that was, I was—I was—I still like—I can only show one movie by one director. And
1: it was only a little bit misogynistic, yeah. not too much.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> which is about if we're the be best be looking you can at expect. Movies from the past, yeah. we're going to have to decide like how much misogyny we're going to dial in because there's always going to be some. Well,
1: there's well, there's definitely some, but yeah. I mean, like, you know, there was no like, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's another conversation. It was
1: misogynism. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't, like, too bad.
0: I felt uncomfortable about the the woman he was keeping in the apartment. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Who's named Amy and just lies there in bed waiting for him to come.
1: Well, it was at night. I mean, like, she she was asleep. She was asleep, I know.
0: (laughs) But it's just...
1: She wasn't, like, waiting there. She was, like, in bed asleep and he came to see her. It feels like she was waiting there.
0: I know that she wasn't waiting there. But uh, it's just so creepy when she doesn't know anything about him because he doesn't share anything about Well,
1: And that apartment complex still looks like that. And he pays
0: her rent. I mean, like, he doesn't, like, he's, he's, she's his kept woman. Like, he's, like, pays for her rent. Like, he gives her the rent money after they argue and he leaves. Then she changes her number. They break up. Yeah. Did you catch that later? He tries to call her and she's changed the number. Yeah. Anyway gotta move on all right so that was the conversation about the conversation yes 1974 francis coppola go see it if you've never seen it i love it it's good stuff i'm glad that i finally got to show it to you i feel like i could have shown this in the first 20 episodes of this podcast and somehow i didn't because it is it is one of one of of the movies for me all right we'll be back in a couple of weeks with ashley's choice Thank you for listening to us. And uh, if you want to tell us what you think of the conversation or explain to Ashley about cinematography in the 1970s or tease out anything more. Please be as condescending as possible. Yeah, please be be condescending. (laughs) Refer to actual film stocks and filters by name and code. And uh, we will will do an airing of grievances. No. Um, So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And uh, we hope you'll join us.